UAB MedCast is an ongoing medical education podcast. The UAB Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of .25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please visit uabmedicine.org slash medcast and complete the episode's post-test. Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals, bringing knowledge to your world. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to UAB MedCast. I'm Melanie Cole, and I invite you to listen as we examine the referral criteria for lung transplantation at UAB Medicine. Joining me is Dr. Thomas Kaliko. He's an associate professor and medical director of the lung transplant program at UAB Medicine. Dr. Kalikal, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. I'd like you to kind of start for other providers telling us how common lung transplant is and a little bit about your hospital's history with them. So uh, lung transplant is becoming more and more common in the United States and across the world, including in Europe and other countries in Asia. So roughly based on the International Society of Heart and Lung Transplant databases, roughly about 4,000 to 4,200 lung transplants are currently being done. This is uh, fairly large numbers compared to about 10 or 15 years ago where a few hundreds of these would be done a year. UAB has been doing lung transplants at least through the 90s, so it's an older program in the United States. Uh, very well-established roots. Dr. Kirkland was one of the founding fathers of heart and lung transplantation and also mechanical devices. And under his guidance and leadership, this program has really taken off and is one of the only program in Alabama at this point. So definitely a lot of history that has been created at this institution. And we continue to make our patients better. Dr. Kalikal, please give us some indications for referral to a transplant center. What is the referral criteria for lung transplant at UAB? We generally have very broad categories of diseases, advanced lung diseases, that are referred for lung transplant. So the biggest categories are COPD and obstructive lung diseases, and the other category would be the interstitial lung diseases and pulmonary fibrosis. I think pulmonary fibrosis would comprise about 65% of our referrals and about 25% would be our COPD group. So our usual criteria for referral is anytime you actually do see a patient with pulmonary fibrosis or idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, that itself is a criteria to refer to a lung transplant center. Particularly if your force vital capacity is less than 80% or your DLCO is heading towards less than 40%, or there is any kind of oxygen requirements that your patient is now having to need any supplemental oxygen. These are all important criteria to kind of refer the patient to uh, a lung transplant program because these patients can tend to deteriorate very quickly. Other things to highlight in terms of interstitial lung disease patients' referrals would be things like they're developing pulmonary hypertension or they're actually desaturating when they walk during your six-minute walk test. Similarly, in COPD, we generally tend to refer uh, or prefer referrals where there is progressive worsening of the disease and the functional capacity of the patient is actually getting worse. They are not an LVRS candidate. So anytime your board index, which is a composite score of your BMI obstructive defect, your dyspnea and your exertional capacity is more than five, that's typically where most people would be referring to a lung transplant center. Any person with hypercapnia with a PCO2 of more than 50 or a PO2 of less than 60 
would actually be referred. And in general, if you're doing spirometries in your office, an FEV1 of less than 25% would be considered to be an appropriate referral to the transplant center. This allows us time to kind of evaluate these patients and actually get them ready for the transplant. We are able to have a few visits with them and explain the process rather than somebody who comes to us really late and now they're in the hospital and they're on a ventilator and then we are referred, yes, we can still do our evaluation and take care of these patients, but it doesn't allow us that time to interact with the patient to actually explain the process to them and actually get them through the process while they understand what they're going to be going through during this time. So some other situations that we see are patients with pulmonary hypertension. And in those patients, the referral criteria generally, if they have class three, class four dyspnea, NYHA class three, class four dyspnea, and or you're actually starting IV therapies for them. So this is considered to be pretty advanced pulmonary hypertension. So these kind of patients should be actually referred to the lung transplant centers so that we can actually complete the evaluation and get them ready for the listing. Oftentimes, if they continue to remain stable, we will not actually list them. We will just continue to follow them with you as their treating providers until their condition does merit an actual listing in terms of going on the UNOS list. Well, then give us the indications when it's an obstructive or restrictive lung disease, COPD and such. Tell us a little bit about importance of referral to UAB and how it differs from other types of transplant disease. Right. So the broad category of diseases that, you know, lung transplant can offer a benefit to the patient is usually either COPD or interstitial lung disease. So we basically categorize them into obstructive lung diseases, which are examples would be COPD, cystic fibrosis, alpha-1 antitrypsin, and then the other category would be the interstitial lung disease like pulmonary fibrosis, which is most of which is idiopathic, or others which are associated with other diseases like connective tissue disease. Clearly in these groups of diseases, lung transplantation does offer a survival benefit. For example, I would say that if you were unfortunate enough to develop idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, your five-year survival is very minimal. So usually the person who develops the disease pretty much passes away within five years. So broadly speaking, lung transplantation is an option for therapy in patients who either have high risk of death because of their underlying disease within two years, like 50% chance of dying from their disease in two years or less. And we expect that they have a reasonable survival after the lung transplantation, which means we expect that at least 80% survival at three months, or if they have at least 80% survival at five years after the transplant is completed, as long as they have no other major medical issues that may compromise that survival. And doctor, would you tell us about the program at UAB Medicine? What does the process look like for patients when they get to the transplant center and what's involved in management of patients on the list? Yeah, that's a great question. So actually, from a physician standpoint, the most important thing is to recognize that your patient is sick and needs to be referred to the transplant program. So once it happens, I think the referral with all the physician notes and radiology is usually sent to the transplant center. We usually make every attempt to see the patient within two to four weeks of the referral being made. Initially, the patient is seen by a transplant pulmonologist in the clinic. This is often followed by an evaluation process. The evaluation process includes a lot of testing, including blood work, laboratory tests, and other diagnostics, including CT scans 
including things like invasive tests, including heart cats. So once this is done, the patient also gets to meet the rest of the team, which are usually case managers that look into the social and the psychosocial aspects of the patient, the support systems that the patients have. We look at the financial supports that the patient may require during the transplant process and afterwards. And then the patient also gets to meet the rest of the consultants on the team, like the transplant infectious disease or the other cardiothoracic surgeons who may be part of the process of the transplant. So once that's done, usually there is a listing meeting where all the folks that have been involved in the evaluation process all get together and we really get an assessment of whether the risk and benefit of the transplant is worth it for the patient. So clearly the benefits of the transplant, including survival and their long-term survival, should far outweigh any kind of risk that we take during the procedure because of the patient's underlying condition. So once we kind of make that determination, we'll offer the patient a listing. And once they're on the list, they're activated on the national UNOS list. And depending on where their scores on the LA system lie, the patient could get the transplant depending on how high their scores are on the LA system. So will you speak to other providers about the progress? on the waitlist management of disease. So tell us of what you feel the transplant centers may need to be doing that you are doing at UAB Medicine in management of whatever disease the patient has and helping the referring physician to manage while the patient waits. Right, so one of the most important things that UAB offers to all our patients is that we do have a large number of specialists in each and every advanced lung disease that are present at UAB. So uh, you have world-renowned people who are very experienced in idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, have the latest medications, and also part of many clinical trials that the patients may actually have access to during their referral process to the transplant program. So we are also able to provide all kinds of advanced disease management. For example, in COPD, we may be able to offer transtracheal oxygen in patients with COPD who may be candidates for LVRS. We may be able to offer those kind of advanced therapies. So just because you refer to the transplant program does not necessarily mean that we may focus just on the transplant aspect of things, but we also will connect these patients to all other specialized physicians and services that the patient may actually need for the betterment of their health. So I think referring to UAB transplant actually does help the patient in more than just the transplant process. They also may help in disease management and other areas of where the expertise of specialists may be needed. What a great point and such a comprehensive approach. So tell us what you see exciting in your field. What's the future of lung transplant? Tell us a little bit about the search for alternative therapies and the annual demand for lungs. And tell us what's going on in all of that. Definitely the ideal world would be where you would be able to do the lung transplant and the patients would actually be living well with these new lungs forever or as long as their lifespans would have been normally been. So unfortunately, that's not true right now. Even with the best of our medications, with the double lung transplant, we would expect a survival of seven to 10 years or so, depending on the comorbidities the patient may have. So I think what's exciting out there in lung transplant right now is essentially whether we can use the lungs of the patient themselves or their cells themselves to construct a new lung out of their own lungs. So that would be a great thing down in the future. There's a lot of research going on on creating new lungs from the patient's own cells and own tissues. So that would be one way. So there's also lots of research going on on 
Xenotransplantation, which is use of lungs from, say, from pigs or from, I think, to help our patients who might actually be having advanced lung diseases. Obviously, these are all in the research field right now, and reality is that not an, exactly an option right now for our patients. At the end of the day, yes, I mean, you know, we definitely want to have the longest lifespan that we can actually provide with a lung transplant. And that means actually being able to develop newer drugs and medications that may actually prolong the lives of our patients even more by, but at the same time, not making them prone to infection. So a lot of these uh, exciting research opportunities are being done all across the world, including at UAB. And we look forward to be able to provide our patients with clinical trial opportunities as they arise in our program. Thank you so much, Dr. Kaligal, for being with us today and telling us about the program at UAB Medicine. A community physician can refer a patient to UAB by calling the MIST line at 1-800-UAB-MIST. And that concludes this episode of UAB MedCast. For more information on resources available at UAB Medicine, please visit our website at uabmedicine.org physician. Please also remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UAB Medicine podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.